Hello, and welcome to episode 261 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer stewart I spend a lot of time on the show talking about the soft skills that managers need to cultivate a strong, healthy team environment. But the hard skills like process or project management can be just as important. So today, we are diving into the world of establishing processes and work systems that foster autonomy, elevate communications, and drive results. But first, a warm welcome to Aaron G. and Tori T. to the Modern Manager community. I also want to say thank you to each and every member. It is because of you that I have avoided taking on advertisers for the show. I would much rather provide you with additional value and have you contribute a few bucks every month as a paying member. So if you want to support me and the show and get member benefits like extended interviews, guest bonuses, access to our Slack community, and my one-page takeaways from every episode, please become a member today. Go to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Today's guest is Rachel Allen. Rachel is a Lean Six Sigma certified consultant, coach, and CEO with over 20 years of experience as an entrepreneur and C-suite executive. Rachel specializes in helping her clients operationalize their visions, leveraging systems, automation, and delegation strategies. Rachel and I talk about how to establish work processes that get these ideas out of your head and onto paper in a way that doesn't feel like micromanaging. We get into the role of technology to support ways of working, the importance of setting the team up for effective information flow, and so much more. Now here's the conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Rachel. I'm really excited to have you on the show. And I just have to acknowledge that we met in an unusual way, halfway or a quarter of the way around the world from here, in a retreat where we weren't even supposed to be talking about business. We were supposed to be relaxing and rejuvenating and finding ourselves, but I'm so glad that we found each other in that space. So thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the show. All right. So you are an operational expert. And I feel like there's been attention, at least for me, in being a really good people manager and being a really good systems designer, operational manager. And I think that this can be maybe a tension that happens for some managers around trying to figure out how to create the systems and the infrastructure for their team without making it feel like I'm forcing you to work in my way or I'm not giving you the autonomy to like figure out the work for yourself. So maybe you could start with just laying out like what is the operational systematizing side of teamwork and why is it so important that as managers we put our attention there? Mamie, this is such a great question because in some form or another, I get asked this all the time, right? Like people work for small businesses or startups because they tend to want more autonomy. They tend to want a little bit more freedom and creativity in how they do their work. But typically what allows even a small startup or small business to work is some of the structure that we do see in corporate America. And so that tension is real because as managers, we're always trying to find ways to allow people to do their best work and show up as their whole selves inside a structure that says we still need accountability. We still have to track metrics and data. And so there's always this rub from people who are like, how do I get the output and the results from my team 
without making them feel stifled because of processes and procedures, right? And so in a lot of ways, that's exactly why people call my team is to help them build some of that internal infrastructure in a way that helps the internal parts of their businesses run, right? And our clients are everything from startups to large nonprofits to large organizations. Everybody needs the same thing. But I honestly will tell you that's really like the million dollar question for us, which is what's the right amount of organizational infrastructure that still allows people to do their best work and feel good about that work. Do you have a way of assessing what that right level is? Because I feel like that's, as you just said, like that's the million dollar question is we want just enough structure so that we can be efficient and we can have accountability, but not so much as it becomes bureaucracy and burden. So how do you even figure that out as to what kind of structure or how much structure or how much process you really need so that you can get to that sweet spot? Yeah. So I'll use my own business as an example, which is even though by trade, I teach other folks how to do this, I really believe in practicing what I preach. So all of the same type of systems and tools I have to use in my own business, which sometimes actually makes the work more difficult, right? Mm. It's easier to just do the work. What's harder is to lay the groundwork so that other people can exist in that same environment. So an example of one of the ways that I typically try to do this is thinking about ways that technology can be our organizational infrastructure, which means wherever I am in the world, I can kind of dive in and see what's happening in my business in real time. Now, I'm going to put an asterisk here and say that it's not an easy thing to do, okay? Um, I probably drive my team really crazy with this because I'll say to them, one, it's been part of my personal mission to be on a plane at least once a month and to be somewhere in the world where there's Wi-Fi, which means I might be working on a different time zone or an off hours where my team isn't available for me to figure something out. So I want to be able to go into a platform, and in this case, we'll say it's monday.com that we use, and see every single client-facing project, every update, every deliverable, mm-hmm. and I've never bothered bothered anyone to get that information. And so why that's important is because in building these teams, I've had to give them a sense of this is how I want the work to go, this is where I want the work to live, and where I want to find it. Now, how they do that work? When they get it done, that's all on on them. But at least having kind of a repository or a place where any of us on the team can kind of take a snapshot of, you know, if someone's stuck, if they're having a roadblock. To me, those are tools that allow people to get the work done without the, you got to tell me every single thing that you're doing or whatever. And so again, I acknowledge that that's not an easy thing. But for me, it's, I want to be able to know what's happening in my business. I don't really want to talk to people a lot. Let me say that too. I don't want to have a lot of conversation about it. I don't want to meet about it. I want to meet about things that are moving the company forward, not the day-to-day things that I could easily see in a project management board, for example. I love this, that the way that you're talking about infrastructure and systems here is not about do step A, then step B, then step C, and you'll get outcome D. It is do your work and let's make sure that the information is being shared in a way that everyone has the access to it that they need in order to do whatever they do to get to outcome D. And that is such a different way to think about systems or structure in setting up a team for success than I think the way many of us think about it, which is I have to tell, I don't want to tell everybody exactly what to do, but that's, that's 
exactly the opposite of what you're doing. You're giving people the freedom to do it the way they want to while setting the groundwork, as you said, for information to flow so that everyone can be successful in whatever way they do it. I love that. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about some of the ways that you take a step in that direction. So if you're a team that has Slack and maybe you like have some projects somewhere in Asana or Monday.com, but you're like eh, eh, using it, right? You don't have quite this infrastructure. How can you start to integrate some of these ways of working so that you're on your way to a system like the one you just described? Yeah. So I think it's going to be important to set the tone as to kind of where your organization is. And this is key because I work with organizations that have no technology whatsoever. So going from zero tech to some kind of platform might be a huge lift for that team. So I generally like to think about, let's get some technology integration in there just to kind of get something going. And that might be as simple as a Google Drive. You'd be surprised as to how many teams are still doing things very analog. There are paper files in places, right? So I would take a look at like, what's some low hanging fruit that we could do? It might even be something like using a project management tool just for communication. Even if we're not tracking work just yet, as an example, I get a lot of emails and I will tell people that is not the best way to communicate with me. But if we're using some type of collaboration tool to just use that, I think we can grow into a space where the work becomes more collaborative. So I definitely would encourage the implementation of some technology particularly if you're in a business that you're looking to scale. And I hear people say all the time that they want to scale their operations. They want more business. They want, you can't do that without technology. And so I would say if you're using tools, but without the fidelity, ask yourself, like, what's the pain point? What's keeping you up at night? And I can tell you the biggest thing for me is not knowing what the heck was going on with our client facing projects. All of the other things I can deal with, but to be able to say, If a client were to call me or say, I'm having an issue with a project manager and what's going on, I want to be able to see how we delivered on that work. Where are we? What's the timeline? What's the challenges? So I say that to say, I think there's a spectrum of how we can introduce technology into our organizations. I think it should start with the biggest problem that your team is facing. And then there'll be some like high yield results after that, which means if communication is the challenge, look for a tool that solves that, you kind of grow your way into some of the other things. That makes a lot of sense. And I noticed, at least for myself with my team too, that when we were kind of keeping track of all of our tasks independently, it was hard not only to know kind of where things were at, but also what everyone had on their plates. And so then it made it hard for me to figure out if I need to delegate things who can I give this to? Because I had no sense of what each person was really doing, what their deadlines were for their own work. And so just getting us all onto one platform and being able to see what each person's kind of managing in their day-to-day just allowed me to then allocate additional work in a way that felt more appropriate given people's not just skill set, but also their capacity. Absolutely. I love that. So let's talk a little bit about where systems and processes fit in teamwork. Because we talked a lot about communications, but are there other kinds of systems or processes that are kind of fundamental to your operations as a team or a business? Mm, what a great question, Mamie. I would say I think there are a few things that that work really well for that. I think it's definitely going to be the ability to just share resources. Again, this could be files and client-facing deliverables. 
I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to keep coming back though to technology. Like it's it's always going to be technology for me and it might just be the right technology for your team, right? So an example would be as our company has grown, I've, I, I would feel like I broke the business because tools weren't working anymore, right? Mm. And I would get really frustrated because I'm like, wow, like I'm using this CRM, for example, and it's not quite giving me the functionality that I need. So we would end up growing into another one. But I would say number one, is the CRM. So for every business that we work with, we're always I- encouraging them to identify industry-specific customer relationship manager software. And I say that one being fundamental because the same way that I like to be able to look into a Monday and see the status of our projects, I also want to be able to look into somewhere and see how many projects are active, how much revenue have we generated, and see data. Again, you'd be surprised as to how many organizations and teams are doing these things in a very analog way, right? And so that CRM is, is, I think, critical for us because it even allows certain people to be on projects and see certain things and then reduce access for other people. But I would say for us, that's been probably like the heartbeat of our organization is trying to find the right kind of like one-stop shop tools where we can quickly go in and just see a high-level overview of the organization. And then that project management takes us on a more granular level with client-facing work. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you feel like having tech tools for everything is helpful? I mean, like, there's so many unique tools now where it's like you can have a tool that is just for helping with agendas and meetings and notes and follow-up. And you can have a tool that is just for like performance review management. And you can have a tool that is just for, I don't know, name like anything that you do in, in a team <laughs> and in a business. And and yes, they can all talk to each other. Thank you, APIs. But is that is that kind of the goal at the end of the day is to like have your whole system automated and integrated? Or is this a like kind of where we started, like, just put in what you need, like, find the right balance, don't overwhelm yourself, like, it's okay to still have some things be on paper, it's okay to have some things still be like, living in your email. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both. And I think depending on where your organization is, it might sit somewhere on that spectrum, right? So I think this is particularly important, again, if we're talking about businesses that are looking to grow and scale, right? So when my business was a lifestyle brand and it was really just about how much business I could take, I could do, I didn't necessarily have to rely so much on all of these things because it was just me. Everything was safe living in my head and whatever came out, came out. Well, as I started to hire people, and this is, I think, a a really interesting point, this is where you really start having to rely more on technology and less on your brain and what you can function. So an, an example of that is like, you know, I even though I teach folks how to use systems, automation, and delegation strategies, delegating is often still a challenge for me because everything kind of lives up here. And so people aren't mind readers. And I have to remember to give them an environment where they can be successful. And so that might mean finding a tool to help me do that for them, right? And so I say that because ultimately, if you're looking to add people and and take yourself out of the business, I believe that the businesses that have the the strongest propensity to not only grow, but be sustainable, generally have more technology than those who don't. But again, I think that all businesses are going to be on some range of that spectrum, right? But again, when I hear folks talking about wanting to be in multiple places at the same, no, no, you you can't (laughs) do that without technology. 
Yeah. And you just mentioned another kind of key factor of technology, which is automation. So we've been talking right now about how to kind of systematize the things that you're doing so information is accessible, right? Information flows, kind of everybody is on the same page. But then there's the whole value of technology for streamlining and taking out some of those steps. Can you talk a little bit about how technology can help with the automation side and, and where are some of the places that that's so important? Yeah. So I really love this because this is also a place that we support our clients in a way that we get them thinking about their work a little bit differently. So I'll give you an example. In a recent client-facing project, they were ramping up in some of their HR and recruitment efforts, but their recruitment process has not been, there's no technology in it. I'll say that. And so we try to think about everything from what's the first step of that process, which might be someone or a candidate going to your website. We as a society are accustomed to seeing automation in real life. We we expect it. We think that it's going to be everywhere. So if we go to an organization and we fill out a job application, we expect for that to be a digital process, right? And so I use this as an example because wherever there is still room for human effort and or the automation and the AI technology can do something quicker, faster, and easier, we should be looking for those types of tools. And this is important as it relates to being competitive. So in operation school, where we teach our entrepreneurs some of these same concepts, we teach them that if you are the boutique that is still doing things manually and people can't order online, you're losing business to the person next door to you who is doing things using Shopify and is in people's inbox every morning, right? And so again, I think that automation is is like the next level of systems because it you can't build automation without there being some technology to build upon it. But I really think that that's what I think is the wave of the future. And I've been saying that for a few years. And so I can tell you like, I love ChatGPT. I use it to write proposals. Anything that I have to use that causes me to write, I start with technology because it helps me be more efficient, helps get my thoughts out. So again, I think that just the way that business is moving so fast, we have to stay ahead of the trends and figure out what are other people doing with technology and how do we make sure that we're replicating some of that in our own businesses? Yeah, that makes so much sense that like we cannot fall behind because we're, well, one, we're not, we're losing it on business. And two, I feel like there's a whole generation of younger folks coming up who are not going to put up with work work environments where there's no tech, where things aren't automated. And we don't have these kind of natural systems in place that are they expect to be there. And not only for young people, but I feel like yeah. young people in particular are kind of expecting this in our workplaces. And if we're not able to convert into those kind of those systems, then we're going to be in big trouble. Yeah. I'm going to take that a step further and say that as younger people are starting businesses, they're coming to the table with a technology mindset, which means they're already solving problems in a way that integrates technology. And so I do think that it's important that even if that's not something that you're comfortable with, there might be someone on your team who does that in their sleep, right? And so that person might be the right person to set up your project management boards or your Trello boards or whatever it is that you all are using. But I just think that getting someone in the organization who can embrace that technology, help other people adopt it is important. Because again, as we're thinking about who our competition is and will be, they, they're they already coming to the table with a bit of an advantage. Yeah, totally. 
All right, let's talk a little bit about process documentation because I have found that in my business, before I can really take on a new tool, I have to like lay out the process that I am expecting this tool is going to help me do better, either because it's information sharing or because it gives someone else the ability to follow a process that I've laid out that I specifically want them to follow in the ABC order or whatever other kinds of things I might need. But it always starts with me trying to like figure out what is the process and what is the goal here. And I kind of just do it however I do it. But how do you actually do it in the, the the kind of optimal way? How do you talk about and teach process documentation so that when you get to the tech spot, you're ready for it? Yeah. So I think I attack this a few different ways. One, I'm going to agree with you that it starts with you as being the leader of your team, understanding how that technology is meant to work and how you anticipate it working in your organization. So I think that's typically why it's important for as a leader of a team to, to know that yourself, right? I would say the other thing here is I tend to have a bit of an unorthodox approach. Even though I'm a systems leader, I am also very intuitive and I love technology that feels intuitive. So I'm even the kind of person that typically will use a platform without reading the documentation and figure out if I can use it. And if I can't figure it out within like a few minutes, it's not the right tool for me. Because my thought process is once I read the documentation, so after using it, I read the documentation then, because now that I've used it, I have a better understanding of what they're talking about. But if I can't figure something out in a few minutes, I don't expect my team to be able to. So that's typically why I've sourced through almost every tool in the market, including Asana, Monday, Trello, uh, Airtable, whatever it is, I've tried it because my thing is, is almost like can a fifth grader use this? Is it so simple that you can drag and drop or move something and it works? If it's too complicated beyond that, I typically won't use it. So I say that to say, while it's important to understand how you want that tool to be utilized, I think what's equally important is, is it easy to use? And mm-hmm. so I can give you an example. We use, I'll, I'll say an unnamed very large CRM tool that's supposed to be so robust, it can send a rocket to the moon. And it was so big and clunky, we couldn't even figure out how to use it. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I will never let my team use this because they'll never use it, right? So I'm always looking for something that says, but but can I easily do this without having to read a bunch of process maps to tell me how to use it? Um, That's usually the kind of technology I tend to lean towards particularly because I recognize that my technical acumen is is a bit deeper than most. So if it's hard for me to use, I don't expect a layperson to be able to use it. That makes a lot of sense. Do you do any kind of pre-work then? Like once you've decided on a tool to say, all right, before I go in and start setting up all the labels and the all the, all the things that you have to do <laughs> to set up a new tool, do you do that on paper? Do you do it on a mind map? Do you just tell people like, do it however you do it. Like, how do you make sure that you don't start from a random place where you get kind of mess up your tool before you even start using your tool? No, this is really good. And and I would definitely say that there is, I think, an approach that I tend to use internally with my own team and my own tools, and then a process that we would use in a client-facing situation. Because essentially, this is exactly why people hire us, which is we're typically introducing new technology. We're teaching people who never use something, how to do something, you know, how to use it. And so I'd say the process is is definitely in that case, it's analog, right? So we're typically bringing someone from a paper and pencil environment to technology. 
So I typically may pull something like that together, which is a document, a process map that shows you're going to do this, you're going to do it this way. In some organizations, it might be a checklist. I will definitely say the tool is usually visual. And I also default to the fact that I'm also a visual learner. So I I Mm. tend to say that because as being neurodivergent, I need a couple different ways to be able to process information that's coming to me. So I try to think about things from a similar lens, which is if I'm telling this person how to use it, they might not understand. If I give them the drawing, they may not understand. If I give them a checklist, they may not understand. If I give them a few of those things kind of put together, they might be like, okay, I got it. I got it now, right? So I definitely try to use different modalities to try to approach something that is really simple, but recognizing I'm leaving this behind Because even the person that I'm training right now might not be the only person who utilizes this tool. So I try to make sure that the information that we're presenting is something that a year from now, a person without that same level of context or training can look right back to that document or that file and be like, okay, so this is how I make a project management board. It's so important to remember that there's a phase of onboarding to the tools But then there's the maintenance phase. And then there's the re-onboarding of new team members. And I don't know, I haven't even like really thought about that. I feel like every time I get a new team member, I like pick a new tool for all of us to like shift over to, which is a whole other problem. We can talk about that in a second. But that we, we need to also figure out whatever those kind of startup documents are so that as new team members come on, we can help them onboard appropriately. Because when they come in, they're not seeing a system that's just getting started. They're seeing a really robust system that probably has a lot of stuff in there that they now have to navigate. So good like note to self to remember to support the onboarding in that way. All right, let's shift gears and talk about the problem I just mentioned, which is I love technology tools so much that I'm constantly looking for a better one. And it's a good thing that my team, <laughs> I have a team because they, I feel bad switching all the time. And so like they make me stay on a tool until we've kind of broken it, as you said, kind of outgrown it. But what do you do if you're kind of always dissatisfied with your tools and you kind of are like, I know this could be better. I know if only A could talk to B or if only it had this other feature. And so you're that kind of person that is always looking for, there's got to be a better tool for this. And you want to like shift around and jump ship from one tool to another. What are some of the things that are like, when is the right time? I should say, actually, like when is the right time to make that leap? And when is it just, yeah, no tool is ever going to be perfect. So just stick with what you have and let people really like use it and get settled with it because every time you make a shift, right, it's disruptive. So how do we know when it's time? This is so good. I would say because I run multiple businesses, each business has its own set of tools that are unique to it. And as an example, we operate a really dynamic like co-working space, event rental space. And we kept kind of like breaking the CRM around booking Because originally we went into the business model thinking, hey, most of our bookings are going to come from internal members who will already have been in our community and then they're going to rent. And it was the opposite. So these are now strangers who who are not members, who have never been to this place, and they want to be able to book 100% online. And so as an example, we noticed that when business was starting to be impacted by your ability to book, we knew like, hey, this is a sign that we need to fix this system. Meaning more than once, we heard people say things like, hey, the site is really confusing. 
I don't know how many times you need to hear somebody say that before (laughs) you're like, let me fix this problem. And so I think why that's important is if it's impacting your ability to do the work in the way that you intended, you need to find the right tool. On the other side of the house with our consultancy team, for example, it's not broke. Why fix it? I agree that I'm one of those people who are always looking for a better tool. And I still have not found a tool that 100% meets my needs. So much so like if I didn't have enough on my plate, I'd be a a developer because I'd be trying to figure (laughs) out how do you create the right CRM for consultants who are managing other people's work and who need some of those same tools that they use for their own businesses for their clients. But I got enough to do, so I won't try to take on that problem. But um, I think it's about, is it impacting your ability to do your work, right? Are people complaining? Is business slow? Or are you are you seeing a direct impact from it? You, when we have this other system, this is what booking looked like or what our sales looked like. And now, now it's something different. But I agree that there has to be a point when you say, I've got to allow some natural and organic time for that technology to even be fully utilized, right? Because most of the time, we're never really using the tools to its greatest capabilities in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like there's a bit of us adapting to a tool and the tool like adapting to us and that we kind of, we need to figure out how does this tool do its work and then how can we work with it to get what we need out of it? And then at the point where it's no longer capable, that's the time to switch. And just because we don't like something about it, it's not maybe enough to push us to make a big shift. Yeah, I agree. I've got a CRM right now that there's a feature about it. Like I hate that when I send an email to the client in the dashboard, everybody on that project gets it. I'm like, this is this is ridiculous. It makes me feel like I want to go and get a whole new system because yes. of that <laughs> one problem. But in reality, I'm like, let's just use the system you've given this a shot. Let's really, if that's one thing that you've got to like gripe about, sure. So I'm agreeing. I have yet to find just one tool that meets all of my needs. And I probably try everything on the market. I I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Well, and it's probably true too, that what I need out of the tool, even with my team might be different from how somebody else wants the tool to function or is a different, prefers a different kind of layout or visual display of information. And so even one tool probably is never going to meet all the needs of all the people on that team, even when you're all doing similar work together. So yeah, we should not expect too much of our tools and don't drive our teams crazy by switching tools every three months. (laughs) Not guilty over here. All right. (laughs) Well, we are coming to the end of our time together, Rachel. So can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Yeah. So I would say, oh gosh, almost about 10 years ago, I had the opportunity to kind of join a a charter school district that was growing and emerging and their chief operating officer found me and offered me the position. And I got to tell you what was really great about this manager from our very first set of interactions was that I think they saw a lot of potential in me and gave me the room to kind of develop in the way that I wanted to be developed, which is different than I think in a lot of organizations as leaders, we see potential in people and we want them to develop into the person we want them to become, right? And so I felt with this person that for the first time, almost ever, that they saw that there was so much that could be possible if I just had the runway to do it. And I think that's great for me in terms of like working with men. Most of my bosses have always been men. And so that dynamic is difficult, right? When you're trying to 
identify who you are and like what's ahead of you. And people put limits on that. And so Michael Gall in this example was someone who did not put limits on that. And in fact, encouraged me to expand my horizons. I'll even share, um, I've done most of my work in Detroit and he was the first person to say, if you, when you are ready to leave Michigan, the world is yours. It had Mm -hmm. never occurred to me that the work that I was doing would be valuable outside of Detroit, Michigan. And maybe I now do work all over the world. And so I think just having someone like that, that spark to say, hey, that someone can pay you this amount of money. And I'll never forget him telling me about the kind of opportunities that could be awaiting me. And I remember thinking, somebody will pay me that kind of money to do this. And in fact, it's no, they'll pay you more. And so we've always stayed in touch and kind of stayed connected through the years. But I just think it's so great to just have someone who allows you to see what's possible without trying to lay the groundwork and tell you, you know, exactly who it is that you need to become. Oh, so beautiful and inspiring. Love it. Love that. (laughs) And where can people learn more about you and keep up with your work? Yeah, I can be reached at rachelallen.com. That is a non-traditional spelling of Rachel. It's R-A-C-H-E-A-L. And I can be also reached at info at rachelallen.com. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and for sharing such fabulous insights on how we can create some systems and processes in our teams that will help us be more effective and grow our businesses and grow our teams. Thank you for having me, Mamie. Rachel is going to hold a workshop just for patron members of The Modern Manager, which includes all members of the Skills Accelerator. This workshop, Multiplying Your Time, is based on the book Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. And during this workshop, Rachel will review the focus funnel to help you eliminate, automate, delegate, procrastinate, and concentrate. To join this workshop, you must be a patron-level member. Also, all members get to hear the extended interview with Rachel, where we talk about how to support your team to adopt new software tools and build the habits to sustain it so that your whole team gets the benefits that you're aiming for. To become a member, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. And if you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off of any membership level. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.